Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us this Sunday as we continue our study of the book of Galatians. I'd invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to be focusing our attention on verses 10 through 14 in Galatians chapter 3. Now, as we follow Paul's continued defense of faith in Jesus Christ as the only ground for justification, that is, for a right standing with God, we find that Paul is continuing to appeal to Scripture as the basis of this belief. Last week, Paul drew on two verses from the book of Genesis that showed us Abraham was accepted as righteous, not because of his works, but because of his faith in the gospel that was preached to him beforehand, that he believed and it was accounted to him as righteousness, that this is not something that is new, something that has just been made up. But right at the very beginning of the family of God, the Lord brought this family into existence through Abraham believing and God accounting to him that as righteousness. Now this week, Paul moves on in this argument and he looks to the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Leviticus as grounds for rejecting the law as a means of justification because the nature of our sin and the law's demand make the law a curse. As we read these verses, I want you to see the contrast that's being made between a curse and a blessing. Last week we saw that through Abraham, a blessing was promised to all nations. However, the curse of the law rests on all of humanity. The way to move forward from the curse of the law to the blessing of Abraham? Well, Paul shows us that it is through faith in Jesus Christ alone who took on our curse that we might receive his blessing. So here now, the word of the Lord, Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 10. This is God's holy word. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident That no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. Let us pray. Guide us, we pray, O God, by Your Word and Your Spirit, that in Your light we may see light, and in Your truth we might find freedom. And in your will, discover your peace through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray, O God, that you would give us wisdom and insight and that through Christ Jesus, we might receive 
the promised blessing of Abraham. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. If you're going to use a decoy, you want to make sure that it looks a lot like the real thing. If you Google the definition of decoy, like I did as I was preparing this sermon, you will find that it gives this definition. That a decoy is meant to lure or entice a person or an animal away from an intended course, typically into a trap. You see, decoys are often used in game hunting or even in wartime. The British were known for their successful use of decoys during World War II. You see, the Germans had the British outgunned making it unwise to face them head on. And therefore, the British employed carpenters and builders and painters to design an elaborate system of bases, airfields, and marine vessels to draw away the attention of the German forces. These wooden decoys would be placed far away from vulnerable targets to waste the time and resources of the enemy. The British use of decoys was very successful in World War II. The Germans attacked decoy airfields more often than they attacked real ones. Valuable munitions were spent destroying wooden structures. Even the D-Day invasion was aided by decoys convincing the Germans that the main assault would come much further east than it actually did. Decoys look like the real thing, but they lead those deceived down the wrong path. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul is arguing that the false teachers have set up the law as a decoy. They have presented the Gentile Christians with a way of following the Lord that looks authentic. It seems to be the right path to follow. The false teachers were pointing the Galatians to the law as the means of blessing. As the means of being a right relationship with God. Jesus was important, but there are some things that needed to be addressed before Jesus could be one's Savior. Namely, the Galatians needed to take on the law to find the blessing. It's a false road that is very alluring. It looks very convincing. It's a powerful decoy. And it is used of the enemy to draw men and women away from the truth of the gospel. This lie lures us into its trap. We fall victim to the idea that if I've been good enough, if I've obeyed enough, if I've projected enough enough holiness, then I will be blessed of the Lord. And like an unsuspecting mallard, we cozy up to this decoy only to find ourselves in the crosshairs. We think that we have found blessing, but we only find a curse, a weight of the law that we cannot lift. How then might we avoid this trap? How can we avoid being deceived by the promise of blessing through obedience to the law? Well, what we'll see in our text is that to avoid the curse of the law and to receive the blessing of God, we must understand why the law is a curse. We must see how Christ has lifted this curse. And we must receive the blessing of life through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Now, it's not immediately clear why the law is not a path to blessing and life. In truth, it seems that the Word of God teaches that the law is the path to life. Psalm 119 says, 
Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. And does not the Lord desire His people to walk in His ways? And here is why this argument makes such a good decoy. Because it comes very close to the truth. It is almost the real thing. And its proximity to the truth also makes it very dangerous. Right? No one would be drawn in by the argument that God blesses those who worship idols. Right? No one's going to be drawn into this idea that God's going to bless those who hate his neighbor or who lives in sin. That doesn't make any sense. But there is much gravity to the idea that God will accept and bless me if I would just obey his commands. Look at verses 10 through 12 again. And we'll see how Paul addresses this, this idea. He says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Paul says this is a decoy. This is a trap. All who rely on works of the law are under a curse. To seek the blessing of God through the law will end in a curse. So don't be drawn in. The first reason that the law will lead to a curse is that the law requires perfect obedience. Here, Paul quotes Deuteronomy 27, in which the curses of breaking God's law are summarized in 12 statements. 12 curses that will come upon the nation of Israel if they do not obey the law of God. And the final curse is the one that is quoted here. And it is that all the law, all the law must be kept to avoid the curse of breaking God's law. The standard of the law is very high. Only those who score 100% receive the blessing of the law. Otherwise, they come under the curse of the law. James explains this truth when he says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. The law is a curse because none of us can keep the law. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all been found guilty because of our sin. There is no hiding or denying the reality of our personal guilt. To receive blessing through the law, we must obey the whole law perfectly. The second thing I want you to see is that the law offers life, but our sin brings about death. In verse 12, Paul quotes the book of Leviticus, which promises that the one who does the commands of God will live by the commands of the law. And this is where we need to be so careful and aware so as not to be pulled into the trap. You see, the law is good. To follow the law brings life and brings blessing. We are called to follow the law of God. It's God's heart for His people that they would grow in holiness and obedience to His revealed will. And the law is a written expression of how God would have His people live. 
In the book of Ezekiel, we even have an explanation of what the new covenant will be. And it comes to this this height of this prophecy. And it says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. The spirit of God writes the law on our hearts so that we would obey the law. But our sin has perverted the law as a path to life. Our sin has taken what is good and life-giving and it has turned it into a curse of death. This dynamic is well seen in the history of our first parents. God commanded that they not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the law. If they obeyed, they would have life. They would have blessing through the law. Just obey this one command and you will have life. But if they disobeyed, they would surely die. The law would become a curse unto them. The law was good. It was the path to life. But they rebelled and through one single act of disobedience, the law became the curse of death for all men. And this is why the law is such a good trap. Life and blessing come through the law, but our inevitable detour into sin means that for every single one of us, the law has become a curse. It holds out to us two options. We can either have life or we can have death according to the law. And each and every one of us has chosen rebellion without exception. Ecclesiastes 7.20 explains, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. You see, our sin makes the law of life a curse of death. And to pursue life and blessing through the law is to be enticed down a false path. It's a trap. So be warned. Wake up to the truth. We want life, we want blessing, but we want it according to our efforts. We want it according to our righteousness. But these will only bring us a curse. For the law offers us a choice, and we have already chosen death. We have all without exception chosen this path. And therefore our sin makes the good law a curse of death. Now, when we hear the word curse, we need to make sure that we don't mix this word up with ideas from pop culture. In a Disney cartoon my kids were watching recently, Mickey became cursed by accidentally breaking a mirror and having seven years of bad luck. From that point on, everything unfortunate happened to him. He slipped on a banana peel, he got hit by a car, he got struck by lightning, his eye got squirted by grapefruit juice, and many broke up with him, right? He's cursed. And the way back from the curse, the way to break the curse was for him to find some lucky charm, like a rabbit's foot, a horseshoe, or a lost penny. An object that will ward off these awful events. You see... Sometimes we think when we hear curse, that curse just means enhanced bad luck. But biblically, a curse is not a magic spell that brings us bad luck. Rather, a curse is a judgment of guilt which brings due punishment. Okay, A curse is the judgment of guilt that brings due punishment. 
When Paul says that those who seek righteousness by the law are cursed, he means that they are under the just judgment of the law. And therefore, the way for the curse to be broken is not through finding some lucky charm, but rather through the execution of the judgment. The judgment needs to be executed so that the law is no longer the pathway of death. When I was growing up, if you complained about eating something that you did not want to eat, that you were given for dinner, say Brussels sprouts, the punishment was you were given more. I don't like this. Have an extra one. And the only way for the curse to be lifted was to eat that. The only way for the curse to go away was for the punishment to be executed. In verse 13, Paul explains how the curse of the law that we have brought upon ourselves by breaking the law is lifted so that we might receive the blessing of life. Look down at that verse, verse 13. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Okay, again, the curse is the just punishment that we have brought upon ourselves by breaking the law. We break the law. We need to have we, there is a punishment that goes along with that. Christ has redeemed us from that curse, from the punishment of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. We are all under the curse of death because we have broken God's law. And therefore, to lift the curse of death, death had to be endured. And verse 13 explains that the way the curse has been lifted from believers is not the law because the law was judgment. Rather, it was through Christ taking on the curse for us. Christ offered himself as a substitute, not to be too light about it, but to extend the metaphor. He ate our Brussels sprouts for us. That is, he placed upon himself the judgment and the punishment that was due to us so that we might be free. Here, Paul quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 23, when he says, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. The form of execution endured by Jesus Christ was a sign that Jesus had been found guilty. He came under judgment, both temporal judgment and divine judgment. To be hanged upon a tree was a sign that you were cursed for your crimes, that you were receiving what you deserved. And this is the punishment that we each have earned for ourselves through breaking the law. For our crimes against God and against humanity are many. For we are idolaters. We are adulterous. We are filled with hate and judgment and pride. We are a stiff-necked people who have earned the curse of death a thousand times over. But God in His love sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to become a curse for us. Jesus willingly went to the cross as a public display that He had taken upon Himself the curse of death. And where did this curse come from? It came from the law of God that we broke. The law was given 
Obey and you will have the blessing of life. Disobey and you will have the curse of death. And each one of us earned the curse of the law. But Jesus took on the curse of the law. He took upon the just punishment. And in His body endured the tortures of physical pain. And in His soul He endured the infinitely greater tortures of hell. For as He hanged upon the cross, all the guilt, all the shame, all the punishment for His people's sin was placed upon Him and the just wrath of God against a law broken was fully poured out upon Him. The curse was executed. The punishment was given to its full extent. God the Father punished God the Son with death that we might receive the blessing of life. For the law made Christ a curse for us. That though we had earned death by the law, through Christ we have received life. So how do we avoid the trap of the law? How do we recognize it as a decoy? Well, first we need to see that the law is good. In and of itself, the law is good. It's a path of life. But our sin has made it a curse. We've broken that law. Second, we need to see that the curse of the law is what caused Jesus Christ to die on the cross on behalf of His church. And the third thing I want you to see from our text is that to avoid the decoy of the law as the path to blessing, we must trust that Christ alone is the path to life. The life that we desire. Look down at verse 14. It says, So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. The so that at the beginning of the verse lets us know that what follows is a result of verse 13, right? Jesus became a curse for us so that the reason he became a curse for us was so that the blessing of Abraham might come to Gentiles. We were under a curse. Jesus took on that curse so that we might receive a blessing. And then he clarifies that the blessing of Abraham is the promised Holy Spirit, right? We have two so that's that parallel each other there so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. The blessing of Abraham that was promised in Genesis chapter 12 is the giving of the Holy Spirit. And this is how we avoid pursuing life through the law. We set ourselves to pursuing life through faith in Jesus Christ alone. The Lord had promised Abraham again in Genesis 12, 3, In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Yet the means through which this blessing would come to all the families of the earth remained a mystery, right? How would the Lord use Abraham's family to bless the world? But in the fullness of time, it was revealed that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, who offered himself up as a sacrifice, not merely for Abraham's physical children, but rather for his spiritual children, his children of faith. That is to say, not according to the law and flesh, but according to faith and the Spirit. 
Faith is the means of blessing. Belief that God will bless and not curse those who look to Jesus Christ and believe the promise of the Gospel. The promise that Jesus has become a curse for us so that we might receive the blessing of the Spirit. And this means that we must not trust ourselves to keep the law, but rather we must trust Jesus to give us His Spirit. We must trust that by His death the Spirit of life has been given. And you need to ask yourself, Do I believe this? Do I believe that my sin has caused the law to become a curse of death for me? Do I believe that by His grace, Jesus took on the curse of my disobedience? And do I believe that through faith in Jesus Christ, I will be given eternal life through the blessing of Abraham, the promised Holy Spirit? If you're searching for blessing in this world, in a world filled with curse, if you are looking for life in a world that is filled with death, be warned there are decoys. There are false paths of righteousness that will lure you in. They will entice you to place your faith in your efforts, in what you can do, in the holiness that you can project to the world to say, I deserve blessing because I followed all of the rules. Now, we might not be so enticed as to follow after all the dietary rules and the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament as the Galatians were tempted to do, but we have our own rules in our society that we set up to say, this is how you're a good parent. This is how you're a good student. This is how you're a good employee. This is how you're going to be a good retiree. This is the way that you follow the law so that you will have blessing and life given to you. And if you follow the rules, the ever-changing rules, but if you keep up with them and you follow them, then you will be blessed. And we want to fall into that trap. We want to control the blessing of life. We want to surround ourselves with all sorts of promises that say if you obey what we are called to obey outwardly, then there won't be a curse. We won't have death. We won't have judgment. We won't have hardship. We will have life if we just go by the rules that have been set up for us. And what Paul is saying is that the only true path to life is through faith in Jesus Christ. And for those of you who have placed your faith in Christ, who have received the Spirit, you have eternal life. But you must be warned, for the enemy's decoy will continually draw you away from trusting in Christ. The law is good. The law of God is a positive guide. But if you confuse keeping the law with the Gospel of Christ, you have fallen into a trap of legalism that will not lead to life. We must therefore walk by the Spirit every day. We must trust the Gospel of Christ is not only how we begin this path towards eternal life, but that faith in the Gospel is how we walk each day as true members of God's family. So how do we deal with decoys? Well, if they're meant to pull our attention away from the truth, then the best way to deal with them is to see them for what they truly are. The Germans saw that the British decoy tactic was working well. It was drawing valuable resources away from engaging in fruitful missions, so they decided that they would make their own decoys. Let's uh, beat them at their own game here. 
And they meticulously constructed an all-wooden base with wooden hangers and wooden planes and oil tankers and wooden gun emplacements. However, they took so long in constructing the decoy that the British intelligence knew that it was a fake. So the story goes that on the day when it was completely finished, the British sent a lone airplane over the English Channel. It circled over this fake base once and dropped one bomb made out of wood. (laughs) And this is how you destroy a decoy. You don't need to give it all your energy and all your resources. You just need to unmask it. Don't give it your resources. Don't give it your attention. But rather pull back the disguise of the law and allow yourself to see that it is not real. The temptation to be made right with God according to your good works, according to outward displays of righteousness is very tempting. But it's merely a ruse, a trick, a hollow attempt to earn life. Therefore, drop the wooden bomb on it as it were. That is all it deserves and all that it needs. It doesn't need your time. It doesn't need your resources. Rather, to avoid the decoy of the law, look to Jesus Christ alone in faith. For it is in Christ alone that the curse of the law will be turned to the blessing of life everlasting. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Father God, we come to you at this time. And we confess that we are often drawn off course. Our eyes are taken off of Christ. And we seek to walk not according to the Spirit, but according to the law and according to the flesh. Would you correct us with gentleness? Would you yet again show your long suffering and patience with your people? Would you discipline us that we might be drawn back to the truth, the simplicity of faith in Jesus Christ? Oh, would you pour your spirit out upon us, your church, that we might walk in your ways, not according to the power of the flesh, but according to the power of the spirit at work within us. We pray this all in Christ's holy name for His honor and His glory. Amen.